Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the Apocrypha. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up those knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzalo, and it's my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I am Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Now, we briefly touched on the Apocrypha when we were talking about the canon of what is and is not in the Bible. Quick recap, the Apocrypha for Protestants, for us Lutherans, not in the Bible, correct? Correct. Okay. So why not? Well, it has a deep history. Mm -hmm. First off, just to situate us back in, what the Apocrypha is, is this has to deal with the Bible. Yes. We've been kind of in our podcast this summer going back and forth between living our faith and doing things and Bible stuff. Sure. And so we're back in the Bible today, and we're talking about what the Apocrypha is, is it's a section of books that are in some Bibles and aren't in other Bibles. Okay, let's then quickly cover who uses it and who does not. Okay, so who does not are Protestant denominations. Okay. So basically anyone who isn't Roman Catholic or Orthodox. Okay. So when you go to Barnes and Noble mm-hmm. and you're going to buy a Bible, mm-hmm. unless it specifically says it has the Apocrypha. Assume it doesn't? Assume that it doesn't. Okay. And if it says that it's a Catholic Bible? Assume it's going to have the Apocrypha. Part of the Apocrypha. Oh, please. It's going to be on. included. I know. Isn't it fun? <laughs> That's wacky. <laughs> My favorite way to explain what the Apocrypha is, actually, and and I I did, let's confess it, make you watch this. You did. Before we recorded today, comes from a curriculum by Phil Vischer, who's the creator of VeggieTales, if anyone's heard of VeggieTales before. And video number one of his series, What's in the Bible, Mm -hmm. the first half hour talks about what is the Bible. And it tells you about all the books that are in there and all those different pieces and when it was written and who mm-hmm. wrote it and all those pieces. It came up in the translations section that we did too, because I think that's an important part of this story. Yes. And then there's this little tiny segment in there called A Pirate's Guide to Church History. <laughs> because of course. You need a pirate to explain church history. It's the best. And It's the best explanation of what the Apocrypha is that I think I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. And there's no way for me to be more succinct than that. So if you feel like it, go Google what's in the Bible and Pirate's Guide Guide to Church History Apocrypha and see what you find. But here's the longer version without puppets. Without parrot. (laughs) And without the parrot. In the days of the early church. Okay. Okay. So back in the first century, the... Jewish community translated their sacred books from the Hebrew into Greek. Okay. And this was what was used as their holy book. It was called the Septuagint. Okay. And it was the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. Okay. Make sense? Yep. Okay. Now, when they translated the Hebrew scriptures into Greek... They had some other books that they also translated. They weren't part of the Holy Scripture, but they were other books that kind of went along. 
with the Jewish sacred writings. Okay. And so they also translated those 15 books from Hebrew into Greek. Okay. And they were included as part of the Septuagint. Okay. Now, fast forward 400 years or longer, depending on exactly when the Septuagint was translated. Sure. But move yourself ahead to 400 AD. There's a guy named Jerome. This is 100 years after Christianity has become legal. Okay. That happens back in 300 under Constantine. So Jerome is now going back, and instead of taking the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures and translating it into Latin, which is what they had before this, then they wanted to go back and say, well, let's not translate a translation. Let's go back to the original Hebrew. Let's go back to the original Hebrew. And in going back to the original Hebrew to translate into Latin, Jerome discovered these 15 extra books. Okay. And said, well, they're not canon. They're not a part of the accepted religious books of the Jewish faith. So I'm going to set them to the side. They're good books, but they're not critical books. Okay. They're not a part of the canon of the Jewish faith. So he translated them, and that's when we start seeing this weird thing happen where some people have it and some people don't. Okay. Because it was set apart at that point in time in 400. So we already had 350, 380 years of tradition, including those books. Okay. And so the Orthodox Church is going to keep them. Because if the earliest church had it... They must have been good enough. That's right. The Orthodox Church is going to keep it. So the Orthodox Church keeps all of it. And that's why their Old Testament has 50 books in it. Okay. Now, the Catholics agreed with Jerome and said, well, they're not quite as important. So we're going to set them off to the side. And we're still going to hold on to them. But we're not gonna necessarily think that they're exactly the same as importance as exodus or genesis okay and so the catholics keep it now move forward again about another 1100 years and you hit the protestant reformation okay and this is the point in time when now martin luther and others are saying we don't want a translation of a translation okay we go back to the original hebrew I want to go back to the original Hebrew and I want to translate it, not just from, right? Because what they were doing Mm -hmm. at that time is they were going Latin to German. Mm -hmm. And now he wants to go from Hebrew to German. Mm -hmm. And so he goes back to translate the Hebrew into the German. And he looks at these books and says, these are not sacred scripture in the Jewish faith. These are extra books. They're not important necessarily. They're apocryphal. They're outside of the canon. Okay. We are not going to include these. Just straight up cuts them. Cuts them out. Okay. And so now Protestant Bibles do not include these texts within them. Okay. Well, now my curiosity is totally piqued. What are they? (laughs) What books are we talking about here? All right. I'm getting my list out. Got some rustling paper noises. Rustling paper noises specifically so you can see I do not have these memorized. No. All right. So you have books of Esdras. Okay. E-S-D-R-A-S. You have Tobit. 
Okay. Now, the funny thing is some of these are like Tobit is ringing a very distant bell. So I must have come across it somewhere in my Catholic days. Exactly. Judith. Okay. There's a section of Esther that is in addition to what we have in the Protestant. Okay. Esther. Wisdom. The Wisdom of Solomon. Huh. Have you heard of that section? I have. They cut that, uh-huh. huh? Uh-huh. That's apocryphal. The Wisdom of Solomon is, is apocryphal. Ecclesiasticus, also known as Sirach. Okay. Not Ecclesiastes. No, because that's like in every wedding you ever go to. <laughs> and a lot of funerals. Yeah. Right? Ecclesiastes is one, but Ecclesiasticus, also known as Sirach, is one. Baruch, the Epistle of Jeremy. Or, Aw, or, poor Jeremy. <laughs> or Jeremiah. Okay. Song of Three Children. This is also a section of Daniel. Okay. It's Daniel 3, 24 to 90. The story of Susanna, which is in Daniel 13. The idol Bell and the dragon. Oh, my. To get a dragon story. And that would be Daniel 14. The prayer of, and I might be mispronouncing this one, Manassas. Okay. That's part of Daniel. And then the Maccabees. Oh, the Maccabees are ringing a bell too, huh? Uh -huh. And so what happens is when you look in the Catholic tradition, these are still either in right where they're located. So Esther in the Protestant book might end earlier. And then in the Catholic, it'll continue all the way through chapter 16. Okay. And these might come up in readings that you're going to find on a Sunday morning? Exactly. Okay. And sometimes we have the option. For example, next week in the Revised Common Lectionary, we have the option of reading something from the Wisdom of Solomon, if we were to choose to. So even in the Protestant church, it can sometimes show up, if even you though, choose it. okay. Mm -hmm. If you choose it. I didn't choose it. Spoiler. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you still cover it when you were in seminary? We didn't. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? And it could be that I just didn't take the extra class. It would have been like one of your elective classes to well, take something Sure, but even that is telling right then if it's not a curriculum course. Nope, not a core class. And we were required to have the Oxford annotated New Revised Standard Version with Apocrypha mm -hmm. as our textbook. That was the Bible that was our textbook version. So we had the version with the Apocrypha in it, but I'm not even sure that I have a Bible with the full Apocrypha in it in my office right now. Oh, that's interesting. Right? Other than your phone, of course. Other than my phone where I can access all of these things in a heartbeat, as can you by looking them up online yeah, and taking a look and seeing what you have. I think it's really awesome that there is totally a dragon story in our Bible. <laughs> so, well, that gets into my next question. Is it is it worth seeking out? If you're curious about it, sure. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, it's like the Song of Solomon is beautiful in sections, right? There's stunning and gorgeous sections in the Song of Solomon. And we're familiar with that because of things like, I am my beloved's and my beloved's is mine. The Wisdom of Solomon is also very beautiful and has some lovely sections to it. So it's worth checking it out, especially for the curious. And if you're one of those people who just want to know things about that, it's been a part of our traditions for thousands of years. And it was important enough to the Jewish community for the 
Greek community to go ahead and translate and include it when they were teaching one another about their sacred stories. So it's important in that sense. It's not critical. You can go your entire faith life and never read a single word of it out of the Apocrypha, and you're not going to have your salvation challenged. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when it does come up as an option, if you've never studied it, my last question to you is this. Do you just skip it each and every time, or have you actually chosen it? <laughs> Good question. I, I will choose it sometimes. Yeah? And it really just depends on how much time I have to do extra study in the week. Okay. Or whether or not it really speaks to where I'm headed with the sermon. If I can't see an obvious connection with the gospel story, I'm going to go ahead and not open that can of worms. But if I could see a definite connection to the gospel story and where I'm headed with the sermon, then it's worth spending the extra time to do the extra research to get it right. But it's got to be a pretty compelling reason to dedicate more time. Sermon prep takes longer than people think. And there are only so many hours in a day. So if I don't already have the information in my memory banks, mm -hmm. it's going to get cut. It's got to be pretty darn good for me to be willing to take the hours out in I'm, order to I'm get it right. I'm guessing that one about the dragon might have to be at some point. Unfortunately, that's never suggested in our lectionary. Oh, come on. Just pick it anyway. I know, right? That would be more like a Sunday school class. Sure. That, that makes sense. That could be a lot of fun for a Sunday school class sometime. Maybe in when I do eventually get this online Bible study up and running, maybe we'll maybe we'll play with some apocryphal texts. There you go. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the apocrypha. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you for joining us. If we would love to hear from you. If you listen to us via iTunes, we would be so grateful for a review. Oh, we have, please. We have no idea that there are people out there or not. So hearing any feedback is always just delightful. You can also email us at podcast at centralportland.org. Thank you for listening. And until we're back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what. <laughs>